This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. Hello, and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And I'm Annie Reese. And today we're talking about cranberries. Yes, cranberries. Um, a seasonal festive topic here in the United States, anyway. Yeah, and pretty much only in the U.S. and Canada. I was very surprised to learn that. We'll, we'll talk about that more later. But Well, they, they are native to North America. I think that probably helps. It does. It does. And we're crazy about them for one tiny part of the year and then forget and it. And nobody cares. Yeah. What, what is this tart berry? We don't want anything to do with it. Oh, and speaking of, what are cranberries, Lauren? Cranberries are berries. What? I, I know it sounds sort of duh when I say it that way, but after pineapple and sweetbreads, I felt like I should really specify. Yeah. They are the fruit of a couple of trailing viney shrubs by the scientific names Vaccinium oxycoccus and Vaccinium macrocarpin. Um, although the latter, the large cranberry, that macro, um, is much more common. A vaccinium, by the way, is the same genus that blueberries are in. They're, they're pretty closely related. In case you've never seen a cranberry or never worked with raw ones, which, you know, I, I think so in some parts of America, the conception of a cranberry is just this tin can shaped 
jelly. Yeah, or dried things you might find in your salad. Sure. Um, cranberries are, are wee things, uh, an oval about half an inch long. It's about 10 millimeters with a bright red or pink skin and white flesh inside containing these tiny little seeds. Um, they are very tart and a little bit bitter. So although they can be eaten raw, they're usually cooked and sweetened. There are a few unrelated species of shrubs that bear similar looking and sometimes similar tasting fruit in the um, viburnum genus that are commonly called cranberry bushes. Misleading. But, but they are not, they're not cranberries. They are a totally different plant, not even a berry, has to be handled differently. Not, not what we're talking about here today. Why do they try to trip us up with these things? They, they look so similar. Let's call it the same thing. Yeah, you know. Okay. Sure. Thanks, history. Yeah. True cranberries, as we've already said, are native to North America, but have been cultivated in Europe and Chile. And uh, cranberry bush species are native to parts of Europe and Asia and Africa. True cranberries grow in bogs. Bogs! I get to talk about bogs. These are great, fascinating ecosystems. Okay. The first thing you need to make a bog is a glacier. Of course. About 10,000 years ago, towards the end of the last ice age, the glaciers that had descended upon the land began to, to separate and recede. Bits of them would get caught in depressions in the landscape, and, and as they melted, if those depressions happened to be lined with impermeable clay, they wound up forming um, small lakes and or large ponds that are called kettle holes. Over time, these kettle holes collect sediments and they, they attract particular plants that further specialize the environment. You've got, you've got peat deposits, you've got thick moss and acidic water that is low in oxygen. Cranberries happen to love this. What doesn't love this is bacteria and fungi. And that is why some amazingly preserved specimens of ancient humans and other animals have been found in bogs. The, uh, the, the micro critters that usually break things down can't really live there. Hmm. So you get good. You get good fossilized stuff, or not necessarily fossilized, but preserved in many ways. Like bog butter. Bog butter! Yeah. Oh, right. Okay, bringing it back to butter. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Cranberries are another food that have gone by a handful of fun names throughout their history, like finwort, marshwort, and marshberry. Marshwort. That's not a thing. That does not sound like a delicious thing. Can you imagine buying marshwort in the grocery store? I mean, I can. That sounds like you're making a potion. Yeah. The Native Americans called them sasamanesh or imbini, which translated to bitter or sour berry. And this can make tracking them in historical documents and recipes difficult, like a lot of things we talk about. The word cranberry itself, a translation of the German craneberry, uh, referenced its long beak-like stalks that kind of looked like cranes. Um, it, and it didn't appear until late 17th century America. And was probably, again, based on... Yeah. Things that weren't cranberries at all. Yep. <laughs> totally correct. Um, today, the cranberry industry is valued around 300 million with the U.S. and Canada accounting for 96% of Oof. production. Yeah. And it's the state fruit of Wisconsin and Massachusetts. And Wisconsin and Washington State have cranberry museums. Oh, another field trip opportunity. I know. If you're in one of those states and have visited, or you should go visit and write in and tell us what they're like. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, as of 2013, Americans consume about 400 million pounds of cranberries a year, primarily as juice. Yes. And 20% of that consumption occurs during the Thanksgiving season. Only 5% of cranberries are sold as the whole fruit. The rest is all processed stuff. 
Hmm. Yeah. It's a terrible shame. I love fresh cranberries. I know. I have only had them recently and I was like, oh, have I gone so long only knowing the jellied stuff? Ugh. Anyway, how did we get to this point? Let's look at the history. Yeah. Over 400 years ago, the Native Americans were using cranberries a variety of ways. Um, apart from eating them straight or as a sweet sauce, they dry them out and make them into cakes or mix them with dried venison and animal fat for pemmican, a portable and long-lasting food that often served as a primary calorie source on winter trading routes and could be traded itself as a commodity. Uh, think about it as sort of like a like a protein bar yeah. of the ancient days. I think it's often called like the original, the first protein bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerky and cranberries, I would definitely eat that protein bar. Oh, yeah, me too. And the importance of Pemmican for winter traders led to the Battle of Seven Oaks in 1816. After, in 1814, the Red River Colony's governor tried to keep the Matisse from exporting Pemmican through the Pemmican Proclamation. Pemmican Proclamation? Yeah. He was worried there wouldn't be enough food to feed the settlers without it, but also wanted to help out the Hudson Bay Company's fur trade at the expense of the Northwest Company's fur trade. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the Matisse believed he was trying to kill their trade, which legitimately. Um, after, <laughs> after a series of skirmishes and rising tensions, the Matisse and the Northwest Company fur traders joined forces to attack Red River Colony in response, and 22 people died. Whew. Yeah, so pretty important, pretty important Pemmican. Yeah. Uh, cranberries were also used, uh, other than food, in teas and as uh, the, the leaves as a tobacco substitute. Mm-hmm. They worked well as a dye and as a bait in traps laid for hares. The Native Americans utilized cranberries in poultices to speed up the healing of wounds and tumors, which may or may not have provided some benefit due to the a cranberry compound that keeps E. coli and staph from glomming onto tissue walls, yeah. tissue cell walls. Um, some tribes used it for bladder and kidney problems. You've probably heard this yourself, and we will be talking more about that later. Absolutely. Um, digestive problems and childbirth-related issues. European settlers quickly subbed cranberries into recipes using similar berries, mostly sauces, jams, and jellies that often appeared alongside meat. Uh, cranberries contain a lot of pectin, which is one of those gel- natural gelling agents that that helps make stuff without having to mess with, you know, like boiling an entire calf's leg. Right. The natural acidity helps absolutely accentuate the meat. Yes. By the 1600s, North American cranberries were being used as a cure for scurvy for the sailors transversing the Atlantic back to Europe. It was believed the sourness pulled the salt from the body. But we know today this worked due to the vitamin C in cranberries because scurvy is a vitamin C deficiency. Oh, yeah. The pilgrims would most likely be familiar with the smaller wild European cranberry that grew in bogs and marshes in England. Not the same thing, but looks similar. Um, Northern Europe and even parts of Siberia, that's where it all grew. And in Siberia, they stored these cranberries in barrels of water during the winter, and they would eat them during the spring. Yeah, if you keep them refrigerated, cranberries last a, a good couple of months. Yeah, they just do. Just chilling out. <laughs> Literally. Oh, oh, man. Didn't even mean that Oh, one. boy. Bonus points for the waxy film on cranberries that could help keep them for weeks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And bees. I love it whenever history, whenever history talks about bees. I know, and I believe we've mentioned this before, but in 1622, mm-hmm. bees from Britain arrived and transformed the way the colonist could use fruit. Now with a more readily available form of sweetener. Honey. Yep. Cranberries start popping up in tarts and pies. Cranberries' popularity skyrockets, so much so that 19th century Boston satirist William Tudor wrote, 
Cranberry is eaten with almost every species of roasted meat, particularly the white meats, turkeys, etc. Some even eat it with boiled fish, and I knew one person, otherwise a very worthy man, who eats it with lobsters for supper. <laughs> oh, outrageous. Outrageous. <laughs> European cookbooks, like the experienced English housekeeper and London Art of Cookery in the 1700s, gave recommendations on cranberry storage in the frequently mentioned 1796 cookbook, American Cookery. Amelia Simmons suggested for cranberry tarts and pies that they be stewed, strained, and sweetened, put into a paste, and baked gently. Hmm. Meanwhile, in 1816, we get our first instance of cranberry cultivation. Uh, A Massachusetts Revolutionary War veteran by the name of Henry Hall observed that cranberries in his bog grew faster when they were exposed to sand blown off of nearby dunes. And that gave him the idea to transplant some cranberry vines to an area that he had fenced off, drained, and sanded. Uh, the vines became much more fruitful, uh, producing a, a variety of types, some of which Hall called jumbo. Mm-hmm. New York City and Boston enjoyed shipments of Hall's cranberries by 1820, and others in the Cape Cod area started making cranberry yards of their own. Hmm. It was around this time in Massachusetts that Early Black and Howes were selected as the two main cultivars, and New Jersey began cultivating cranberries in 1835, Wisconsin in 1853, and Oregon and Washington towards the end of the century. Meanwhile, the, the price of granulated sugar was decreasing, and this coincided with the increased availability of cranberries, meaning that more housewives purchased them, as they could now afford to sweeten them with sugar. Right. And sea captains familiar with cranberries due to the whole scurvy prevention thing got in on the cranberry bug action as well, some financing them to locals in a similar manner they had done with their ships, the financing. Some of these bogs were passed down for generations, and since cranberry vines live so long, some are thought to be the first vines planted. Boston would become the major marketing and shipping hub for cranberries, and uh, when shipped greater distances, um, up to 100 pounds of cranberries were packed in barrels of water, and this barrel became the standard measurement for cranberries. Still is today, I believe. Mm-hmm. So these barrels of cranberries would become available starting in the fall, uh, ready for winter celebrations. But how exactly did they become such a well-known part of North American winter celebrations? We'll find out right after we take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Could just be me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. 
Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Mm -hmm. So the association of cranberries with Christmas probably began as early as the first American Christmas trees in the 1840s, which were traditionally decorated with sweetmeats, not sweetbreads, fruits, nuts, and the like. Uh, And it's only natural that the bright red berry that's available around this time would lend itself to such a decoration. Yeah. Also, since they're kind of sturdy, you can string them on a string. Yep. As opposed to other things that you would string them on, mm, sure. Uh, string, string them on a string and hang them up, and they'll they'll remain pretty okay for for a while. Yeah. In 1868, Queen Victoria's book referenced a pie with good tart of cranberries she had at a dinner in Scotland. Mm. So they'd made it over there. And Reverend Benjamin Eastwood's book on cranberry cultivation helped grow the industry even further, as did the expansion of railroads. Ah. Yes. After the Civil War, something some historians have given the name cranberry fever took the country by storm. (laughs) Everything's a fever. In 1871, the first Cranberry Growers Association coalesced the 1880s innovation of wooden cranberry scoops with improvements in sorting and screening up to production. And with dollar bill signs in their eyes, amateurs rushed into the cranberry business. Promises of cranberry money pouring in did not come to fruition in most cases, and a majority lost their money. Oh. Yeah. There was a real craze going on. It's like the gold rush, but with berries. Okay, Yeah, I saw it described that way. Huh. Cranberry bogs spread to Wisconsin and New England, which they both surpassed Massachusetts in production. Um, and by 1900, 21,500 acres were used to produce the berry. Massachusetts was not out of the game, though, not by a long shot. Uh, Cape Cod became a household name. And up until 1927, children of the state might be excused from school to go help out with the cranberry harvest every year. Yeah, it's a serious business. In 1907, we saw the first, the first formation of the first cranberry marketing cooperative, the New England Sales Company. 
Three years later, in 1910, Massachusetts got the University of Massachusetts Cranberry Research Station. Ah. Yeah, very intrigued by that. The first mechanical cranberry picker arrived in 1920. And in 1930, as the cranberry industry was peaking with 27,640 acres, Ocean Spray Cranberries, Inc. stepped in with a marketing cooperative owned by growers. Ah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The Great Depression, as you would probably guess, depressed cranberries' crazy growth. And disease also decreased growth further in the 1940s. In 1947, hand scooping was almost universally replaced by a mechanical walk-behind harvester. Um, these days, this is called dry harvesting and sometimes uses a helicopter to transport the berries from the bog without hurting the vines. Then in the early 1950s, as refrigerators, electric refrigerators, that is, became a thing, housewives began freezing cranberries to last throughout the year. Thanks to cranberries.org, by the way, for this handy-dandy timeline. Super Mm handy-dandy. Cranberries primarily came as juice, jelly, or gelatin until after World War II when people started to use the fresh stuff, especially around the holidays and with that refrigeration. Um, But this was still the minority of cranberry usage. But then... But then, dun-dun-dun. Yes, disaster struck with the Cranberry Scare of 1959. The Cranberry Scare. First there's a craze and then there's a scare. (sighs) When Secretary of the U.S. Department of Health, Education, and Welfare, Arthur Fleming, announced to the country that some cranberries had been exposed to aminotriazole, a suspected carcinogenic used as an herbicide. This was a severe blow. Severe. Like how like, severe? Like sales of cranberries plummeted by 70%. Oof. Some consider this the first major cancer scare in the U.S. Trace back to cranberries. I never would have guessed. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was only a small number of cranberries harvested in Oregon, but cranberries had to be destroyed, and the massive resulting price decline meant that a lot of acres devoted to cranberry acreage had to be shut down. And it took almost a decade for the industry to bounce back. Farmers figured out um, water harvesting in the 1960s, and most bogs implemented the practice, which allowed for more growth and product diversification, which eventually led to the 1987 release of Ocean Spray's Craisins. Craisins. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm still not sure that I approve of that of that minor pun. No. I have to think about it further. <laughs> You're allowed. Yes. Form, form, form your own opinions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> water harvesting uh, entailed pumping about 18 inches, that's about 46 centimeters, of water into a, a dry cranberry bog. And the day after this, the cranberries are harvested using these water reels called egg beaters that pull the cranberries from the vines. And and thanks to this air pocket that is naturally in the berry around the, around the seeds, the berries float to the surface, ready to be scooped up up with a big plastic or wooden brooms. They're then cleaned and processed, and we now get 85% of our cranberries this way to this day, uh, despite the kind of rough treatment it means for the berries. Which doesn't matter too much if you're processing most of them into juice. Absolutely. Right. It wasn't until the 2000s we start to see cranberries paired with salads. The 2000s. <laughs> Dried cranberries, by the way. I don't think I've ever seen no. a fresh cranberry on a salad. No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Most likely because that's about when these nicer prepackaged salads, complete with toppings, toppings. started to hit <laughs> grocery store shelves. Um, perhaps, but probably not related, total production of export markets grew by 30%. Huh. 
probably not related, but interesting. Um, and worth noting that by the mid-19th century, most Native American tribes had been wiped out of the New England region. But some do have ties to the cranberry in the present day. Um, the Coquille tribe owns and operates organic cranberry farm Coquille Cranberries out of Oregon, and the Wampanoag hold Cranberry Fest in Martha's Vineyard each year. <sighs> so. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and another episode where we get a nice depressing I yeah, a button turn. right on the end. Right right on the end. Um <laughs> although hey, I've actually got some more kind of depressing things to 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 talk about. Um there's going to be a Lawrence Killjoy corner. But first, there's going to be one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon Serum. This next-generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So, okay, 
There seem to be a lot of misconceptions about the healthfulness of cranberries. First off, dried sweetened cranberries are basically candy. Yeah. They're no longer a fruit. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing about, about dried cranberries is that all of them on the market are sweetened. If you find any unsweetened ones, please tell me. Yes, please. Send me to that website. I want to buy them. Um, but okay, uh, the, the nutritional information, uh, about dried sweetened cranberries, a single ounce serving, that's about 28 grams or like a, like a handful, um, contains 18 grams of sugar, which is half as much as a can of Coke, basically. Whoa. Uh, that's not, that's, that's not healthy. Um, no. Furthermore, the manufacturing process that makes them dried and sweetened leaches basically all of their nutritional benefits or, or beneficial nutrients, rather, from them. Um, vitamin C is gone. All of the like possible antioxidants are gone. They still contain 1% of your daily recommended value of iron. 1%. And 4% of manganese. Mm, okay. That's about it. Yeah, that's not too much to uh, brag about. Yeah, so if you really like eating them, do it. But just be aware that you're not doing yourself any particular nutritional favors. No, don't don't think you're doing a healthy thing by eating them. No. Secondly, uh, oh, and and okay, th- this gets back to cranberries' use in treating urinary tract infections. Okay, so so this was this was an an ancient or not ancient this this was an older folk remedy and about a hundred years ago, um, as we started developing science but still didn't quite have antibiotics, some doctors thought that they might be able to treat UTIs by making patients' urine too acidic for bacteria to grow in. Cranberry juice became a popular therapy. But it was later found that the amount of cranberry juice you'd have to drink to really see an effect is prohibitive, being that mostly it would just give you ulcers and kidney stones in the long run. But then, uh-huh. a while later, another thing that we talked about, um, that, uh, that protein present in cranberries and also blueberries, by the way, um, that prevents bacteria from, from binding to and thus from infecting other cells was discovered. Um, and, Cranberry juices and supplements, like like dried, pounded cranberries and little gel caplets, um, started to be promoted as therapies again. But no research has yet shown that this actually prevents infection in humans. So, scientifically speaking, no one knows whether cranberries actually help with UTIs. And... Hey, uh, the cranberry juice cocktail that you buy in the store contains a lot of sugar and acid, um, both of which can exacerbate an already angry urinary tract. Oh, man. Do not, do not drink cranberry juice cocktail for a UTI. Maybe consider a cranberry supplement, like if you want to, but be aware that they have not consistently p- performed better than placebo. So like, don't put yourself out of money if, if you're strapped for cash. It's probably not the cure you're looking for. Um, to keep your urinary tract healthy, drink water. The kind without bubbles sometimes. Uh, like wear cotton underpants. Talk to your doctor if you have a persistent problem. And sorry that got kind of weirdly personal for a second there. That's cool. Okay. Um, all that being said, uh, you know, as our seafaring ancestors sussed out, cranberries are a great source of vitamin C. They're also really high in antioxidants, which may help prevent some diseases like cancer in some situations. Um, they're high fiber and low calorie until you add a bunch of sugar. Yep. So they're pretty filling. 
Um, which means that if you like tart things, um, fresh cranberries or a fresh made sauce that is low in sugar is really great to add to, to oatmeal or yogurt or baked goods or sauces or roasted savory dishes or whatever. Just watch out for that sugar. You know, buy, buy fresh cranberries when they're available, maybe. Freeze some, make your own low sugar sauce to add to stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a fan of doing that. I like to, I put them in, um, an acorn squash with quinoa and cranberries. Oh, oh wow. And goat cheese. Oh, oh, oh okay. no. Yeah, it's good. Okay, I want to make that right now. I know. Maybe later. All right, but first we got to talk about pesticides. Oh, um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. More. Oh man, well, welcome, welcome to my Killjoy Corner. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Uh huh. It's a show within a show. It's gotten really meta. Um, okay. <laughs> According to the USDA Pesticide Data Program, as of 2006, cranberries tested positive for 13 different pesticides. Some of these are classified as known carcinogens and honeybee toxins. Oh, yeah. That's bad. Nope. Ocean Spray did attempt growing them without the stuff, but found it too difficult and costly. Since cranberries are native to North America, pests have had forever to figure out the cranberry, thereby making pesticides necessary, their argument goes. Another environmental concern is the exposure to these pesticides of the water pumped into the cranberry bog during wet harvest, um, where it after that, it returns to local bodies of water. Um, and this type of runoff is not regulated by the U.S. government. There are a handful of companies out there growing an organic cranberry crop. The article I was reading gave Cranberry Hill Farms and Fresh Meadow Farms as examples. And the only way they're able to do this currently is through programs that buy their fruit at a super high price point to help incentivize them. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I sort of hesitate hesitate in talking about pesticides because, honestly, I don't really know too much about them. Um, and hopefully, we'll rectify this in a later episode. Oh, absolutely. Very important topic. Yeah, so grain of salt, do your own research. Um, yeah, but hopefully this is useful to some of you out there and yeah. worth noting. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's good to, good to know where, where our food comes from and what the overall cost of it is. Um, but that's the end of the Killjoy Corner. Yeah, let's, let's eke ourselves out of this corner into the, into the open wide vistas of cranberry culture. Cranberry culture. So first, cranberry sauce. Oh. And, you know, I'm just realizing that maybe a lot of people listening don't know. Don't know for sure what this is. Uh, yeah, cr- cranberry sauce is a, uh, a a mixture of cranberries and sugar. You can also put a little bit of spices, like like maybe like a grind grind of nutmeg, maybe maybe some ginger in there. Yeah, that's if you home make it. Yeah, which I love to do. That's actually way better than the stuff most Americans get, which is like this can, and it's just a log, a jellied log that comes out. Yeah, it, it's it's got so much pectin. It's so jellied that when you Open the can from one end. You can just just wiggle an entire can shaped loaf mm-hmm. of this stuff out of it, which I find endlessly disturbing. Yeah, my family used to before I started making my own. Um, so for some reason, we'd get it every year, and no one would eat it. Like we'd put it on the table, and no one would eat it. But we we kept up the facade. I most most Thanksgivings that I've been a part of have been so entertained by how artificial it looks that mm-hmm. they don't bother disguising the fact that it comes from a can. They like slice it yes. straight from the and like you can still see the ridges from the can yes, and it, you can. it's brilliant. It's bizarre. It's something very mid-century. I I I'm very charmed by it. Yeah. It's it's particularly weird. Um, and it's still made of cranberries, so it's still kind of delicious. Yeah, but, yeah. Um 
I avoided it so hardcore, I can't honestly recall the taste. But maybe this year when I see that lone plate, because I we still we still put it on the table, even though I make homemade cranberry sauce. Maybe I'll give it a give it a try. I think it's more a texture than a taste, really. Oh, okay, okay. Anyway, so Americans eat or buy and intend to eat 5,062,500 gallons of jellied cranberry sauce each year during the holidays. Just during the holidays. According to Ocean Spray, the first jellied cranberry sauce was canned in 1912 by lawyer-turned-cranberry bog owner Marcus L. Uran in Massachusetts. Once uh, mechanical harvesting was introduced and a lot of the berries came out of the other side, Damaged, Ocean Spray decided to can them since selling them fresh would be difficult. It would be a difficult prospect. Mm-hmm. And before canning technology came around, cranberries didn't last that long. It wasn't until 1941 that the sauce was available across the U.S. And the reason it's so solidish, like Lauren said, has to do with the, the pectin. Yeah, but the, uh, so many of the berries were damaged and damaged berries just didn't last and you don't obviously want to take that much of a loss. Uh, yeah. Let's just can them. Let's just make, put them in this uh, this can and market it as a holiday thing. Yaron uh-huh. um, went on to invent the cranberry juice cocktail and a cocktail syrup for drink mixers. In 1930, he convinced competitors to come together to form Cranberry Canners, Inc. In 1957, they changed their name to Ocean Spray. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh-huh. That Ocean Spray. That one, yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, I... Couldn't bear to do a cranberry episode without mentioning the Cosmo. The Cosmo. Oh, that's 90s staple cocktail. It's so pink. It's in a impossible to hold martini glass. Seriously, what's up with martini glasses? A question for a future episode. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, the Cosmo, if you have never encountered one, calls for vodka, Cointreau, lime, and cranberry juice. And we'll have to do a whole cocktail hour episode about it because this is, this one, it, it's one that's relatively new onto the scene, but there's, but, but there's some really great little, little bits of subculture wrapped throughout its creation. And it seems to have originated with a late sixties marketing directive from Ocean Spray to get more adults consuming cranberry juice. Kids were all about it. Adults were like, what am I doing with this? Right. Put booze in it. Sell it to them that way. Clever. I mean, can't fault them for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seems to have worked. Uh, so, yeah, that is our uh, uh, brief story of the cranberry and brings us to listener mail. Listener mail. Michael wrote in response to our Chuck E. Cheese episode, you mentioned a place called Pizza and Pipes. Not sure if it's the same one, but I used to go to a Pizza and Pipes in UP, Washington State. Does that mean Upper Peninsula? I believe it does. I think so, yeah. Yeah. It had a very fantastical pipe organ. Huh. The device took up two floors and what? one quarter of a large building. The rest was dining area and kitchens. It was crafted with stuffed animals, clocks, drums, tambourines, and many other percussive instruments that were all controlled by a standard-looking organ that was played daily. Wow. They would sometimes cast movie clips on a small screen and have the organists play music in time with the clips. Unfortunately, the place burned down in the early 2000s or late 1990s. It was replaced by a Ruby Tuesday. Oh, that's so disappointing. I know. It sounds really cool. No offense, Ruby Tuesday, but man, that's not, that's not a good trade-off. No. Yeah, you really lost out on that one if you lived in that area. That sounds, I, I would go to that for sure. Yeah. Oh, I need to look up, I need to look up footage of this on YouTube now. Um, meanwhile, uh, Polly sent us this in response to our brunch episode. 
The basic principle of breakfast slash lunch foods equaling brunch is the same, but the upper class and alcoholic attributes aren't usually there in Australian brunch culture. Brunch in Australia is very much tied in with our heavy coffee snob cafe culture. Recently, there's been a huge surge in good coffee cafes that serve an all-day combined breakfast-lunch menu and will close somewhere around uh, 3 to 5 p.m. To give you an example of how common they are, I live in a low-middle-class suburban town, and there are four of these cafes surrounding my local train station. I also study in the inner west suburbs of the city of Sydney, and there'd be at least one of these kinds of places on every street corner. It's not so much used to compensate to a hangover, but to a lazy weekend start or morning spent at the beach. Most menus will have meals with ingredients like eggs, bacon, sourdough, muesli, quinoa, sweet potato, kale, ricotta, but will have hipster names. You usually enjoy brunch with a coffee or maybe a tea, juice, or smoothie. I've never been to a brunch place that has served alcohol, but maybe in older, wealthier populations, this culture does exist. In Sydney, at least, if you want to catch up with someone, you'll often arrange to meet up over a coffee. And if it's around breakfast or lunch, you'd expect to get a brunch-type meal, too. While my husband and I, in our mid-twenties, have a little disposable income, we'd probably get brunch twice a month just when catching up with friends for coffee. <laughs> Very interesting look at a, a brunch in Australia. Yeah. They've gotten a lot of emails about like brunch in this area and this area and this area, and it all sounds pretty different. Yeah, to me, the biggest difference here is that there's like no alcohol. Right. And it's, um, it sounds much more, ours is purportedly supposed to be relaxed, but I really don't think it is. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very high tension, I think. It's, it's, it's supposed to be relaxing, but the, the social, uh, considerations, the, yeah. the social pressure on it can be, can be very, very large. Like, this sounds like a nice casual, like, oh, we're, oh, we're just hanging out, but, French in America can be like, what am I wearing? Oh, is, yeah. is, is anyone else going to be wearing eyeliner? What, what do I have to do? Like, should I wear heels? Are we walking somewhere? What's going on? Yeah. Are we, do we have reservations? Yeah. Oh. Do we need to get a lift? Oh, man. Am yes. I drinking too many mimosas? Many questions. Yes. We had. Yeah. So thank you yes. to both of them for writing in. Uh-huh. You too can write to us. We have an email. It is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. We're also available on Facebook and Twitter at foodstuffhsw, stands for How Stuff Works. Uh, we're also on Instagram at foodstuff. You can find us there. We hope to hear from you and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com.
Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 